Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back into UAP for this episode 77, the final new episode of this wild year, 2023. I am Stephen Diener here with you as always on the Unidentified Alien Podcast as we uh, finish off what ended up becoming a trilogy here, because this is part three of the most bizarre alien encounter stories. And I know we've already gone over some strange stuff in the first two parts as we've, you know, gone through this over the over the past, uh, I guess, you know, month or so. Of course, starting with, you know, uh, Billy Corgan, the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, saying that he accidentally slept with a shapeshifter. That was a wild one. Pretty bizarre there. To a woman who says that she crashed down to Earth with three other great aliens in the Lori Cordini story. That was pretty incredible. But I think I may have ended up saving the best for last here with this one, because today we are going to hear the story of a man named Robert Hall and how Robert Hall connects to sightings of aliens that resemble... I guess there's no other way to say this than to just say it aliens that resemble Bigfoot. So we could be looking at maybe a possible connection between aliens and Bigfoot. And I know that's been a question that's been brought up kind of in the fringes of this discussion when it comes to non-human intelligence. But believe it or not, Robert Hall is not the only one to possibly have this connection between extraterrestrials and Big- Bigfoot. Maybe they're one and the same. I don't know. But we're going to hear it all, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. But before we get into all of that today, of course, we got to talk about our factoids. Let's go ahead and get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, the factoid. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now, this little factoid is actually kind of bizarre in its own right, really. Did you know that Leonard Nimoy, yes, Spock himself from Star Trek, once said on live television that he knew of aliens that inhabited the Earth. Like, he actually knew them. Now, this took place during an airing of a talk show named uh, The John Davidson Show. And this particular episode aired back in 1982. Now, there's some debate here with this clip. To be fair, you know, I always try to put out both sides when I can. Some people say that, you know, Nimoy was just kind of messing around. Others say that he was being serious. You can be the judge because... It is an interesting clip to consider. So we're going to listen to this back and forth between Letter Nimoy and the host, John Davidson. Listen listen to how this, this went here. You must get a lot of mail from people talking about extraterrestrial life. You know that our government sends out beams to outer space to try to get some answer from somebody else in space. Nothing comes back. How do you feel about life on other planets? Who told you nothing comes back? There's been no answers from outer space. You haven't heard the answer. I check my service every day. <laughs> no, there's been no told. answers. We've tried every way to contact somebody in the in the universe. Have you found any evidence? I I know people, well, whatever you want to call them, on this Earth today who are alien. No, now, Leonard, you're serious. <laughs> you're serious. Uh, yes. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, listen, he's John Davidson asking him there, are you serious? And, and Leonard Nimoy is looking him straight dead in the eye and says yes. So who knows, I guess, right? It was... Uh, honestly, I had never heard that clip. I didn't even know it existed up until a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, what is this? And it was like, this this has to go into episode 77 for this part three of Bizarre Alien Encounters. I just thought that was really fascinating. And who knows, right? I mean, if, if it is the case, you know, obviously uh, Leonard Nimoy would not be the only celebrity who is interested or maybe knew more about otherworldly life than they would kind of let on in the public eye. Uh, Kurt Russell is a name that comes to mind. Um, here's a guy that actually talked about recently, within the past few years, admitted that he saw the Phoenix Lights back in 1997. The famous case, you know, the big triangle shape with the lights that kept appearing over the skies of Phoenix. Actually, he was flying his private Cessna plane, and it said that his was the first report. Like, he first reported the lights to the FAA. So you have Kurt Russell there. Elvis, I've done an episode actually on Elvis where he was a big believer in, you know, non-human intelligence, as we're calling it these days. Um, he talked about, you know, being visited by aliens as a child, seeing UFOs all the time. Danica Patrick is another one. She talks about this a lot, of course, you know, former uh, race car driver. And there's many others. So maybe we'll see and hear more from celebrities in the future to help push this conversation even more into the mainstream consciousness. I know, actually, uh, you know her as Snooky from the Jersey Shore. We I've talked about before. She's contacted me, and, you know, hopefully we speak in the future because she's had different experiences herself. So there's a lot of celebrities out there. You know, this isn't just some, you know, fringe thing anymore, of course, and there are celebrities who are willing to talk about their experiences, even going back to Leonard Nimoy in 1982. Maybe he did know an alien. Who knows? Interesting to consider, though. But before we dive into the story of Robert Hall and his incredible Bigfoot alien encounter, um, I want to first mention a couple of other stories that kind of you know, maybe point to a connection between ETs and Bigfoot. Because like I said, to start, Robert Hall wasn't the only one to have an experience that maybe might you know show a connection here. Because this first one comes to us from a hotspot that we've mentioned many times before in the show, and that is the nation of Brazil. Interestingly enough, this particular bizarre sighting took place in 1995. Now, why is that interesting? Because if you're keeping score at home, that is exactly one year before the famous 1996 Virginia alien encounter. We've talked about that a few times here on this show. Obviously, you know, very famous case, kind of like a Roswell type of case, alien scene wandering about after a crash there in uh, Virginia, Brazil. But this sighting is a little less dramatic than that one, though, because, I, but I, you know, it's a precursor, I guess, nonetheless. As the story goes, on January 15th, 1995, a farmer named Beto Lima in the rural town of Fiera de Santana says he witnessed the UFO crash to the ground. Of course, you go to investigate like anyone else would, and as he got closer to the scene to See what was going on, he noticed a couple of strange-looking creatures, one of which was dead, and the other was badly wounded and kind of like, you know, clinging to life. The description of the dead alien matched that of the same type of alien that would be seen in Virginia a year later. So maybe, the you know, the type of gray alien was, for whatever reason, flying over Brazil 
not only in 1995, but in 1996 too. But it was the other creature that makes this story live on in mystery. Now, he says that one of the inhabitants of the ship looked like kind of like a giant sloth. He said it was a big, hairy alien. That kind of sounds like a Bigfoot, doesn't it? Now, as Beto took in the scene, he decided to run back to his house to call the proper authorities. He's freaked out. He doesn't know what's going on. But it seems, though, that they were already ahead of him. Apparently, the Brazilian army showed up and cleared the whole scene out. As it's happening, witnesses, Beto Lima wasn't the only witness. Now, he witnessed the crash. Other people saw kind of what was going on around the scene because you have people who talked about seeing helicopters flying over the area. It said that Beto and others were actually threatened and told never to speak it of, uh, of this whole thing again, which kind of comes from the playbook, too, of the Virginia incident just a year later. So it sounds like they had some practice with this one a year before. Now, the details of the story are, are really sparse, but that's what, to me, kind of makes it so intriguing because there's a lot that kind of remains in the shadows with this, along with, of course, this Bigfoot-like creature that was discovered alongside a dead alien body, but I guess that's neither here nor there. But then the question is, what happened to it, right? What happened to this Bigfoot alien? Well, how prevalent are these types of sightings, right? Maybe that's another question. Has the government and military taken a bigger interest in Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like creatures than maybe we, we realized? Now, obviously, if you're talking about the you know Brazilian army showing up to the scene, it sounds like if they cleared it out, then they took the bodies with them. You know, and how prevalent are these sightings? Well, there's a couple that we know of just in this this episode alone. But, you know, it's it's strange when you talk about the government and military taking a bigger interest in Bigfoot or these creatures that look like Bigfoot, maybe more than we realized because kind of leads us into this next one that I call uh, Bigfoot and, and the Men in Black. So before we get into Robert Hall, I feel like this one uh, is, is worth talking about first because consider this witness account out of Duval, Washington. And it does involve, according to the witness, yes, the man in black. Because in 2003, um, an unnamed man says his dog discovered an actual dead, uh, a dead Bigfoot on his property. Now, this isn't some ambiguous story. You know, it was, was it a giant hairy sloth alien or something that looked like a Bigfoot or some weird creature that the aliens had? Was it Chewbacca? I mean, I know. I mean, come on. I know, right? But this was an actual Bigfoot, according to this unnamed witness, okay, that he says his dog discovered a, a Bigfoot body outside of his property in 2003. The man said he saw the body up close and didn't really notice any obvious wounds or injuries that you know would have caused Bigfoot's demise here. He described the creature's hand size, which he said was three times bigger than his and he said he had unusually long fingers, which I thought was pretty cool because that's like a characteristic of the gray alien, right? We talk about, you know, whether it's the classic gray alien, three to four feet tall, or the tall grays, six to seven feet tall. You always talk about having these really long fingers. Now, if you're a Bigfoot with giant hands, then you would have long fingers as well. But I don't know, it's maybe a connection there. I don't know. He also described it as being very hairy, of course. And after examining the body, he actually went to call the police. Again, someone who's freaked out. They don't know what to do. Now, the police never showed up. Instead, about an hour later, he says a black helicopter landed 
and two men in black uniforms came out and ordered him to stay in his house. He says the men then rolled out a tarp and wrapped up the Bigfoot and flew off with it in the helicopter, and that was that. Like, that was, that's it. His, that his day carried on, and he, and he never heard another thing about it. Now, I know what you're thinking. It does sound kind of wacky on the surface, but is it really that unbelievable that, you know, men in black would show up and take a dead Bigfoot, even if it does sound unreal? Can we say with certainty that it did not happen? And I ask again, is there more to the Bigfoot question in relation to extraterrestrials than meets the eye? Because if this story is true, or if you know any of the details of it are true, the thing I'm wondering is, what would be the government's interest in keeping the existence of Bigfoot a secret? Now, we understand all the time, you know, okay, they're going to lie about aliens, they're going to lie about, you know, advanced technologies and things like that, you know, but that's never been a, a, a conversation connected to Bigfoot. Do they possess some type of advanced tech or knowledge that we aren't aware of or that's been part of the conversation before? I... I don't know. It's it's kind of odd. Like, I've never thought of, you know, per se, the government covering up Bigfoot. What would be the, the end game? What would be the goal? What would be the purpose of that? If, you know, what's the big deal of finding out, okay, there's another creature out there and it's Bigfoot? I don't know. You know, if, if they're covering up aliens, like we said, it's because, you know, they're probably advanced technologies or, you know, reverse engineering, or maybe there's something that goes in there with spirituality. We've talked about all these different theories before, you know, human origins, whatever. But Bigfoot got me. But maybe a man named Robert Hall can help shed some light on this situation. Yes, it's time to dig into our main course because this is one fascinating dude with an incredible story. And I... I got to tell you, he doesn't sound like he's making it up. I'll, we'll start here with, with Robert Hall. You know, when you look through a fire and it's wobbly, well, that, that seemed to be the barrier. All you could see is the real way because we didn't see it till we got through the, this bigger barrier. And we're under these horrible creatures. One was like Bigfoot. He was very tall. And the others were small, about four foot. All right, so... Pretty similar to what we were hearing in that 1995 case, aliens and some type of Bigfoot alien creature working together, except this one wasn't 1995. This goes back to 1940. So let's start at the beginning here, okay? Because obviously that was a little out of context, but I just wanted to kind of set the table there for you. Robert Hall was just a boy, five years old. He lives in England, lived in England, when in 1940, he says that he and one of his friends were taken by what he called horrible creatures after coming across what he described as that invisible barrier with a 12 to 14 foot UFO sitting behind it. Now he says this happened as they were going down the street to get something to eat that afternoon. Previously, they had been watching a military parade go down the street again, 1940. You're talking about, you know, world war two era. And yes, you heard him right. He did say that a creature resembling Bigfoot was among the smaller beings when they came across this barrier. All they were doing was going down the street. Now, just for context, or more context real quick, he does go on to describe the smaller ones, these horrible creatures he's saying, as having gray skin and big eyes. So yes, he's describing your classic type of gray alien there. So when you hear horrible creatures, I think that's what he's referring to because later on in his story, um, he, he you know talked about these gray aliens. Now, this is a story, believe it or not, that has actually been heavily investigated by numerous different people 
in the past. And unbelievably, many found it to have a sense of truth to it, including a man named Richard Hall. No relation to Robert Hall, who we're talking about. Richard Hall conducted the interview with Robert. That These clips that you're going to hear come from the interview from Richard Hall. And Robert, he, you know, gave him all these different answers that, that you're going to hear. Now, he also spoke about an alien among those horrible creatures. Uh, as he put it, he kind of described it as possibly being the leader of the group. Now, interestingly enough, he says this alien was human-looking in appearance. He said he was tall with blonde hair. He says if you passed him in the street, you would never even know the difference. Could this have been a Nordic? You know, we've we've heard many stories about the Nordic alien kind of looking like... Now, that we we called them Nordics because they look like, you know, Norwegians. They just look like anybody else from, like, you know, Norway or that, that part of Europe. You know, tall, blonde hair, something like that. You know, blue eyes, everything like that. They, they look human. And that's how he described this leader of the pack, if, if you will, was this, you know, human-looking guy. Now, it gets stranger, though, as Robert explains what happened next. Apparently... The creatures were looking for volunteers, and it's pretty wild. I mean, you think about this, you know, Nordic and Bigfoot and gray aliens, or, but I'll, I'll let him explain. And I says, well, you can examine me, and I went in the capsule. But it, it moved all of a sudden. It was at the bottom of the street, and they took it from there, and they put it into the back yard. We walked through. He took me through into there, examined this, took some blood out of the back of my neck, he says, if you lift your head up, you'll be killed instantly. And I was petrified or need pain myself. They examined me, and I stood beside these other creatures. They were like men, but the, the tallest one was about four foot. And they went down to about two foot. There were three of them. And these other ones they were all horrible-looking creatures. The big, tall one was like, um, I know you're going to see a daft, but it was like Bigfoot. Well, there's that Bigfoot again. And, man, what is... What a scene he paints, right? I mean, this sounds like a legit alien abduction with examinations and all, but with various types of species involved. You got greys, you got, you know, possibly a Nordic leading the group and you have a, a Bigfoot type of creature or maybe maybe it's just Bigfoot. You know, I keep saying type of creature, but maybe that this is we're talking about origins of Bigfoot here. Like, could there be this this connection? Is this the missing link? You know, is Bigfoot an extraterrestrial just straight up? Or maybe just a helper of some sort. Maybe there's wasn't even a Bigfoot at, at all, but rather a case of mistaken identity. Maybe there's an extraterrestrial that resembles Bigfoot and Bigfoot is something else completely different. Now, these are all questions that, unfortunately, we don't know the answers to, but they're worth asking, especially when you hear a story like this about how there's all these different species of aliens and how one is tall and hairy, resembling what we know as, as you know the Sasquatch, the Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. But man, what a, what a scene he paints though for this abduction case. You know, getting the examination, taking blood, saying don't lift your head or else you're going to die instantly. Like, pretty wild details. But at that point, Robert says that the Bigfoot creature actually grabbed his friend because they were both on the craft getting, you know, examined, experimented, whatever, which led his friend to yell out. He started yelling, Rob, run, run. And so Rob ran until he found some soldiers who were marching in the parade earlier that day. So in his frenzy, Robert tried explaining to the soldiers what was taking place just around the corner. Now, put yourself in these soldiers' shoes. They didn't believe him. 
I mean, how would you react if a five-year-old ran up to you and started yelling about aliens and Bigfoot going after your friend, you know, going after his friends? You're going to look at this kid and be like, uh, where are your parents, kid? What are you talking about? But eventually, he convinced one of them to go with him. And, well, things got wild. Here's, here's what happened there. He come around the corner when he seen what went on, he fired a pistol. All hell broke loose on Silver Road. But what I couldn't figure out for years where all them creatures went. They couldn't get in the small craft. So what, he, what he's talking about there is that after the soldiers shot at them, which, by the way, he shot at them, okay? You're talking about now a soldier is freaked out. He sees this craft. He sees aliens. And he's like, what the heck is going on? This kid's telling the truth. Takes out his pistol and takes a couple shots. And then they go off. Scared him away, according to Robert Hall. And he says that they all got in the craft and flew off. So, I mean... He actually shot at these things, right? But that's not the first time, by the way, that we've heard of small craft with many occupants inside. And I've often wondered, is it possible? Because you, you heard Robert kind of say, you know, he says, I've often wondered, how, how did they all fit in there? He's like, you know, there were, there were so many different creatures. How did they all fit in this 12 to 14 foot UFO and fly away so quickly? And when I heard him ask that question, it made me think of a question. Because I've often wondered, is it possible that there's some type of physical distortion happening with you know these UFOs or, or UAPs? What, what I mean is, could they appear smaller on the outside, only to be much bigger on the inside? Are they using some type of, again, like a physical distortion or you know quantum mechanics, I don't know, to be able to make something appear smaller than it actually is. And then when you get inside, it's huge. And that's how you're able to fit all these different, you know, creatures, as Robert Hall puts it, inside what looks like a small craft. Because that's not the first time, again, that we've heard about, you know, what looks like small craft. And then people who go in, in abduction cases, they say once they get in, it's huge. Like, how could it be so big? It looks small on the outside. So just just something interesting to me when, you know, we hear Robert Hull ask that question. I, I wonder the same thing and he kind of just, you know, try to put it all together. But despite all that, this story is not over. Actually, in fact, it becomes even more unbelievable because a few days after this ordeal, Robert was going down the street. You know, things were coming down. He was trying to tell people about it. Nobody would believe him. His parents wouldn't believe him. His uncle, his family, nobody would believe him, right? You're a five-year-old kid telling everybody that you and your friend were experimented on by aliens and Bigfoot. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't going to believe you. That was until a few days later when Robert says he was going down the street toward his uncle's work where he worked at a coal factory. And he realized that a gray alien was actually following him. How creepy is that? You look over your shoulder and you're like, that's a gray alien following me. Now, as he ran down the alley, he approached his uncle. And that's when, incredibly, now get this, Rob's uncle took a coal shovel and smacked the gray alien over the head and killed it. Just taking the shovel and just wham, just like that. Dead alien. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable scene. At that point, a policeman actually showed up and couldn't believe his eyes. Obviously, is what he was seeing. I mean, imagine walking around the corner and there's a guy with a shovel. He just took a swing at a gray alien and smacked him in the head and killed him. This is in- insane. Now, he says he helped Rob's uncle put the alien into a coal sack. 
and then they dragged the body inside the building. Now, in the midst of all this madness, Rob says he actually felt vindicated because, like we said, nobody believed him for the days before that. So he was kind of like, see, told you. Like, there it is. That's what I saw. That's what I've been trying to tell you guys. But from there, Rob says the body of the alien was actually taken to a nearby church. They were trying to figure out what to do with it. And they said they took it to a nearby church and they left it wrapped up in a tarp in an underground chamber below the church. He said the body actually remained there for a few months before a group of uniformed men, which he presumed to be the British, you know, forces, came to retrieve it. And that was the end of that one. I've never heard a story like this, honestly, in my entire life, because we've covered some weird and bizarre stuff before on this show, as you know. But for me, this kind of ranks as like an all-timer. This this whole thing from start to finish. You're talking about a kid comes across an invisible barrier. You have a possible Nordic. You have Bigfoot. You have gray aliens. They're doing experimentation. They A soldier shoots at them. You have one following him down the street. They They kill it. It's buried under a church. I mean, this is a wild story. But before we finish this one off, it is worth mentioning, actually, a few more things that go along with it. Robert did go on to describe how he was pestered by reporters and the Royal Air Force officials to recount his story to them for months following this ordeal. So it's not like, you know, this just happened and that was it. He says there was a lot of follow-ups. There was a lot of articles about it in the, in the local newspapers at that time. He had, again, you know, a lot of military officials coming to talk to him, a lot of people threatening him, basically saying, you know, tell us everything you know, but you can't tell anybody else. Now, another odd detail that was given was that Rob had a small triangular scar on his cheek until he was 13. So what was that, right? I mean, was this, we're talking about some type of tracking device? I mean, who knows? He also says that he saw a woman with a baby leaving the craft, on that day when he was first taken. And it's that, so that I thought that was kind of a strange detail. Like, apparently, him and his friend weren't the only ones who were being worked on that day. Or maybe she was being dropped off. I don't know. And he may have actually, he says, been inadvertently responsible for the term little green men. He says that that was actually because he was trying to tell everyone about what had happened. And after, you know, everything took place, people misunderstood him when he was saying little gray men. Now, you you heard his accent there, of course, and you put that together with a five-year-old who maybe can't, you know, speak as clearly yet as an adult. And he says when he was telling people little gray men, it got changed to little green men. He said none of them were green. They were all gray. So he says that's where the term came from. I don't know. Pretty interesting. Now, I know this whole thing may have sounded hard to believe. I get it. The different types of aliens, including a Bigfoot, you know, possible ET connection there with a Bigfoot. When you talk about all these stories that we covered here today and even other things that I didn't even get to talk about today. I mean, the gray alien that was killed with a shovel and under the church, all of it. But consider this one last bit of info. One of the men who did a thorough investigation and interviewed Robert Hall as well was a detective named Gary Heseltine. He spoke on the record about his findings and conclusions from his own investigation into Robert's story. Here's what Gary Heselton, the uh, detective, had to say about his own works with Robert Hall. I'm thinking this is one hell of a story. Uh, and, and, this, and, and, it, and the more I asked him, and I'm, I think I must have talked to him for about two hours that first night, 
the more my opinion changed, that as bizarre as the whole story sounded, um, he, he appeared to have too much information and with me working with suspects and witnesses, he appeared to be showing me signs of genuine recall. Well, I got to tell you, I, I watched a good portion of, you know, the, the interview with Robert Hall, with the clips I was able to play for you here today. This guy, he, he seems like he really was telling a story that happened to him. But I, I think no matter how you look at this one, or if you believe it at all, I think the fact remains that it was a worthy cherry on top to finish off his trilogy of some of the most bizarre alien encounters out there. But as we know, there are still many more stories to cover. Many, many more that I have in my own personal notes and uh, in my mental notes as well. And I very much look forward to doing that, all of this again with you in 2024. Because like I said, this was the final new episode of 2023. And what a year it has been just with everything when it comes to the disclosure aspect of things for UFOs, UAP, you know, the the conversations surrounding non-human intelligence and the connection to human life and what have we done with it as far as reverse engineering, everything that has happened with David Grush, the congressional testimonies, all the whistleblowers, Michael Herrera, DC Long, Eric Hecker, all these different people that, you know, that were willing to speak out and that I was able to speak to as well here on the show. Nick Pope joining me a bunch of times here on the show this year. Robert Salas. I mean, just an incredible amount of work has gone into this year, personally on my end, an incredible amount. Um, But it's all been worth it because we are living through history. And it's a privilege for me, an absolute privilege. It's an honor, actually, to be in the middle of all of this. Because this, this time... Right now, that we're living through when it comes to the UFO, UAP discussion and alien life and technology and all these things, what's being hidden, what's being kept under wraps from the government, what's really going on behind the scenes, all of this that we're living through is history as we speak. So to be in the middle of it, to be able to to bring you details of current events on UAP Weekly and to be able to bring you stories like these and connect it all together is is just one of the greatest honors of my life because we're all we're all in it you know happening at once and the fact that I'm in the middle of it able to relate all these things to you as they're happening is is an incredible feeling and um even more so that you trust me to do that and that you've taken to me the way you have over the past couple of years but even more so this year just professionally speaking along with everything else that's happened behind the scenes and publicly with this discussion, 2023 has been an unbelievable, in every sense of the word, unbelievable year for the UAP discussion. And I can't wait, honestly, uh, to see how things evolve and change and grow in 2024. I'm looking forward to an absolutely wild year, not only with the show, but of course with the disclosure discussion as a whole. Now, in the meantime, as we finish off this uh, final episode here uh, for the year 2023, I'm going to also going to put out a couple of Greatest Hits episodes before the year is officially out. 
Um, and so be sure to check back for those after Christmas because I, I do want to put out, I really actually enjoy putting out the greatest hits episodes because I love, these are all kind of like, you know, little bits of me, all of these episodes. Now with episode 77 of the classic edition here of UAP, not even counting the things I've done on, on UAP weekly. Um, but I mean, every single episode has so much, you know, work and, and dedication in it that I really enjoy putting out these greatest hits because I don't want them to be forgotten. So hopefully you enjoy those greatest hits ep- episodes as well. Um, a lot of those are some of my personal favorites that, that I put out. So those will be out too before the end of the year. Of course, don't forget to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's everywhere as far as, you know, the apps uh, are concerned. Um, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter, of course, if you're not already. A lot of you are, but it's at UAPodcast850, at UAPodcast850 on Twitter and on all social media, TikTok, YouTube, um, Instagram. You know, I try to post updates on everything there that's going on, uh, you know, retweets of diff- interesting stories or random thoughts that pop into my head. You can reach out to me directly there as well uh, as far as direct messaging goes. Or if you want, you can email me. If you don't have it already, sdeaneruap at gmail.com. It's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com if you want to send me a message that way. I know a lot of you like to do that as well. Of course, uappodcast.com. It's a fantastic website. Everything having to do with the show is right there, one centralized location as well. But on that note, thank you all again for everything. Sincerely, thank you because your support truly means the world to me. Um, it's just amazing. So until next time in 2024, it's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast saying be well, Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays to you. Enjoy it all. I will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much.